Hello and welcome to I'm With The Brand, a new podcast series from the team that looks at the many moving parts within a brand that create trust, deepen connections and support brand success. Last year, we celebrated 40 years of the team. In that time, we've developed brands for the Beatles and the NHS and looked after employees at BP and Southwest Airlines, to name a few. We're a team of experts and it's this expertise that we want to tap into and share with you in this series of podcasts. My name's Alice and I'm the content manager here at the team. We'd love you to join us as we chat with specialists from both inside and outside the team. Together, we'll explore a range of thought-provoking, inspiring, challenging and actionable insights that cover a wide range of topics, from brand strategy and activation to employee experience, diversity and inclusivity to behavioural science and many more in between. In this episode, I'll be taking a back seat as my colleague Jen Robinson talks to her guests about whether brands in 2023 are doing enough to embrace and support neurodivergent minds within the workplace. In our previous podcast, you'll have heard how my son's experience made me question how well the world allows neurodivergent minds to flourish, especially in the workplace, which is my area of expertise. In the first part, I talked with my fabulous guests about how we can support neurodivergent people by rethinking our workspaces and always considering accessibility and inclusive design. This time, I am delighted to be joined by two more very lovely people, Susanna Chapman and Julie White. They bring a great deal of personal and professional experience to this conversation, and I'm so pleased they wanted to contribute to this episode. Both are ADHD, yet are a perfect example of how differently this can play out for individuals. We're going to discuss the essential role that internal communicators play in embracing and supporting neurodivergent talent in workplaces. I intentionally use the phrase internal communicators there and not just internal communications. That's because I believe it's not the sole responsibility of an internal comms or HR function to ensure we're inclusive of neurodivergent audiences. If you interact and exchange with colleagues in the workplace, you yourself are an internal communicator. And if you are a leader or manager, you're especially influential. So Susanna, thank you so much for joining me today. I know you are super busy in the world of coding as is now. So it's really, really appreciated. Cliff, our director, introduced us, didn't he? I understand you were doing some co-working with him in Brighton and he introduced us, which is brilliant. And you got telling me about the fab story about the role that you currently find yourself in at work. I wondered if you could share a little bit more about that for me. So a little bit about me. I am a trainee software engineer at ZOA, uh, which is a renewable energy tech company. We build the tech to help to try and transition the consumer energy experience to renewable energy. So I started in bulb as customer services, which is a very difficult job for someone who has ADHD due to the fact that you can't really manage your own time. You're very you're very stuck within the role they give you and the, t- the time they give you. And so this was not a very good fit for me. However, it was especially not a good fit to me due to my memory. I have a crazy memory. I can remember the lyrics to thousands and thousands and thousands of songs without trying uh, just today, I was saying to my boss, um, oh, yes, the second time we ever spoke, you said to me X, Y, Z. And I think it really terrifies people. But I really do remember whole structures of conversations without trying. So naturally, when I was in customer services and on the phone all day, every day, I could really remember everything that everyone was saying to me. And that 
was a bit of a nightmare job for me. But yeah, having said that, I then moved into product management while in that job in my very first week. So about uh, six months ago, I tried coding for the very first time and I just immediately and instantly fell in love with it. I was the happiest and calmest and most serene I'd ever been in my entire life. To this day, I have never found as good of an emotional regulation technique for myself as coding. It, it's it's fascinating, isn't it? It's almost like, I mean, as you've described it, it's almost like a meditative type uh, state of mind it gets you in. And of course, the beauty of that is that you get to do that for your job. You get to do that now for your work, which it's, is just awesome, right? It's an absolute dream come true. And I think you really hit the nail on the head with the zen. So after I tried coding, I, it took two months to realise this was what I wanted to be doing for the rest of my life. That brings me really nicely to sort of say, you know, you they, you uh, kind of discovered your now dream role of coding where you are now, which is, is fantastic. So you didn't have to leave and your employer and they didn't have to lose you, yeah. which is brilliant. Um, but are there aspects about the job that you think employers, your your employer and others potentially, ways that they could really maximise the the elements of the role to help neurodivergent minds realise what a fantastic fit of a job coding could be, or for other you know other ways of um, ways of thinking. And you know, obviously, you've said to yourself you're ADHD, but for other, if you were autistic or if you're dyslexic or whatever it may be. Are there other ways you think that employers can do better to help neurodivergent people know that such roles are out there? Um, in terms of how this can be applied to all jobs, actually, I think I have loads to say in the sense that, and I think this is very broad across neurodiversity, the biggest thing I have found to be common across neurodiversity is the love of structure and Nobody does structure better than my boss. So one thing we really do with my manager is that my whole Google calendar is blocked out. That doesn't mean, you know, unlike in customer services, doesn't mean I can't, you know, take an impromptu break when I need to. But I know at any given point in time what I should be doing. And I've like, I've like color coded it for myself. My whole Google calendar is color coded, which like I love and with need. And then we just have lots of weekly kind of and daily rituals and, and patterns in place so every week I give my manager um an update on what I've learned this week code wise and just filling out that doc by myself that structures my week he told me what four points he wanted me to address on the document like so what I've learned what I got stuck on how much progress I made and what's coming next and so yeah having that really helps me about writing the best possible you code you can in, in a couple of lines. So every little bit of code I write, I put on this special platform called CodePen. And then I've added in this thing, my, or my boss gave me this idea that I always write a detailed explanation of what the code does. Mm -hmm. Again, you'd be amazed in three lines what it can do. And so um, that really helps me in terms of structure. As a neurodivergent person, having that platform that you can kind of channel things and communicate things into is very important because the best sentence and the biggest and truest sentence I've ever read about myself, I don't know if I've told you this, Jen, I took a BuzzFeed personality quiz when I was just before I got diagnosed, I was 21, and um, I got, it was, what sweet are you? <laughs> and, and what I, was it? Strawberry Starburst. Oh. <laughs> and 
And there was a paragraph and it was like, blah, 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 you know, whatever. And when I got to the end of it and it said, blah, 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 blah. But you don't always know how to say what's on your mind. And I was like, oh. holy. And this was just when I was getting my diagnosis. So just when I was starting to believe that it actually with ADHD, I never thought that the fact that I could struggle to express myself would be applying to me because mm. I was like, I talk so much. Like I talk all the time there's no way I could be struggling to express myself but it's precisely that it's precisely because of that that I talk yeah. so much but this I, I just love the, re, the the relationship that you clearly have and that um understanding you have with your manager yeah. um is fantastic and I think it, it's so um inspiring and incredible incredible to listen to and many assets of it are very a kind of obvious or you know oh well of course but so many um uh kind of manager and team relations are based on such good foundations or ground rules um but the but the way you were onboarded to your current role Susanna was particularly important to you wasn't it you know the moment you first entered into the team and um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about your onboarding experience? I was hired by the company, essentially offered the role, given the role, but I was not given a team to go into. So they left it up to me and I knew who I wanted to be with. I reached out to every team, but I knew. And when I went into my meeting with the engineering manager for the team I wanted to be in, we had our first meeting and I thought it went brilliantly. I have to be honest, I was like, I really think he likes me like he seems really keen like I I, I think I think this is it I'm gonna get hired on boarded like I might be a part of this team then our second conversation didn't go so well <laughs> <laughs> so um we were in a chat and obviously I was my company's neurodiversity champion so everybody knows I regularly post about it on public channels so it was going really well and then he said okay um now I need to ask you something and I was like mm. and he said uh, you're neurodiversity Susanna and we hadn't talked about it yet. He's like, and I was like, what? He was like, you're neurodiversity. Please, can you tell me a bit more about it? And I was like, oh God, like, they're not going to hire me now. Like, this is it. And, um, and so I started off by saying, I told him I had ADHD and he nodded like very encouragingly, which meant a lot to me at the time. And then, um, and then I just completely went off on one. I was like, no, no, no. I only have the good aspects of neurodiversity. I don't have any, I manage it really well. And then he was like, I'm just wondering about the team and how you'll fit in, how we can support you. And I literally went off on one and said, no, 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 no. I fit in really well with every team. Uh, everybody likes me. There will be no problems. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and we literally, and then I kind of, you know, caved and, and, and gave him a few points. But then after that conversation, I got a message from the product manager of the team who I maybe knew a bit longer, had known a bit longer than him. Uh, long story short, there was a two page document for my manager and the product manager explaining my neurodiversity. Then this got turned into another two-page document, which I adapted and made more chatty and readable and user-friendly, which we shared with the whole team, which just said like, basically like, hi, my name's Susanna, I have ADHD. I was diagnosed after I dropped out of university at 22. Um, these are my superpowers. Uh, these are what to look out for, which for me is almost all about communication. So I might interrupt you. I might, uh, if I do that, then please do this or this. Uh, I um, might, um, as in you have a choice to let me let me keep talking or to keep talking yourself, and it'll be fine. Like I'll handle it, whatever it is. 
Um, or like I might need you to repeat yourself uh, sometimes. I, you know, might need instructions with a bit more clarity. Um, I might need things like people often hesitate to give me instructions like I need them because they might think that they're a bit patronizing. But I am fine with that. I, I don't mind in the right context. I don't mind yeah. being spoken to like I am a child. As long as it's coming from a good place, then it's very, very helpful. Um, but yeah, so then and we shared it with a team. They all read it on day one. It was a massive success. You know, six weeks into the team, I'm, I'm very, very happy. And everyone's so supportive. And I liked how he used ADHD and not is neurodivergent because he wasn't afraid to call a spade a spade, whereas I had been kind of dodging that for, for, a, few, for a while. And then the other thing where he did right off the bat of that, he said straight away, Emmys comes with lots and lots of superpowers. And I was like, wow, if like the engineering manager who has, you know, over 20 years experience and is the boss is saying that, then that must be true. <laughs> there must be something. Yeah, in your honesty and transparency about your journey, Susanna, is so inspiring and so impressive. Um, it really is. And, and so many people can learn from that, which is remarkable. But you and I would also appreciate that some people would find it um, tricky to um, be so transparent and honest. The first thing I'd like to say is that um, I wasn't always as comfortable. I joined Bulb and I was uh, too afraid to tell anyone. And it was actually, it's, it's a very simple answer. I've had this driving force and this passion in life ever since I can remember. And especially when I started at Bulb, I didn't know what I was doing there, but I knew I was meant to be there. I knew I was fulfilling my passion and I knew I was fulfilling my purpose and my destiny. So I was willing to do whatever it took. And when two weeks into the job, it was completely clear that I couldn't function at all with the uh, training they were giving me, I made the choice to be open and honest. And at every step of the way, Jen, I just became open and honest because I knew my whole destiny was hanging in the lines of what I was doing. And that has kind of inspired me to always keep pushing. But the funny thing I learned when I was doing something like that is that suddenly it wasn't so bad. Actually, it wasn't so scary. There were no um, repercussions. My mum said something really beautiful to me because I said to her, you know, this isn't my vocation like I love talking about this but I'm an engineer like you know or I'm an energy person back in the day or whatever how do I keep talking about this and my mom said you know don't stop just yet because you have this real gift you have the ability to to, to communicate your, your neurodiversity to the world and many 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 neurodivergent people I consider myself pretty severely neurodivergent and then there are people much kind of further down different spectrums than me but like I definitely struggle to articulate it and most people I think struggle to articulate it uh, for a number of reasons, different life experiences I've had. I had to learn to talk about myself a lot and I had to do a lot of talking about myself and that has mm. helped me to be in this way that I am now. So the first thing I would say is that I have this ability to um, articulate my neurodiversity that sets me up in good stead for a couple of things it sets me up really well to get the support that I need mm. um it sets me up really well to help other people highlight their own issues and 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 figure out what support they need one of the wisest things anyone ever said to me was a woman once said to me who feels knows if you suspect you have ADHD or autism or dyslexia dyspraxia dyscalculia 
chances are there's a very good chance you might do so. So I would say look into a diagnosis, but this is a key and crucial bit. Don't wait for a diagnosis to um, self-help because mm. you can buy books on it. If you buy a book on ADHD and everything you read, you're like, oh my God, this is me. I can relate to this. I've been feeling this way all my life. I'm going to say something a bit controversial here, but you don't have to wait for a clinician to tell you that you have mm. it to start. You know, you might need to for work. That's a harsh reality. I kind of have to tell people that for you can start to tell work. Actually, this is good for people to know. You can tell work you're looking into it. You can start to work with your manager on the assumption for anything like permanent you might eventually need. If your knee is bleeding, you go online and it says put a plaster on and you don't wait to go to the doctor and the doctor says yes your knee is bleeding you put put if you have ADHD symptoms and there is advice and guidance and support and validation which helps don't wait for the clinician to tell you yes you are allowed to have empathy and compassion for yourself and can very I can very much relate to this because uh, Dylan hasn't been um formally confirmed as autistic or ADHD or dyslexic or I just know he is neurodivergent because of how he interprets and experiences the world I know and you're so right and school have been brilliant in that respect in that they that they haven't waited to know that they have looked at him as an individual and how he experiences his day-to-day and how he can best be supported and that's exactly how it, it, it should be but I guess that that's part of of what employers and workplaces can be really aware of here isn't yeah. it? around the awareness of it's very much down to individual needs you know all the stuff how lucky I am to have found my passion and stuff that's not a coincidence that's not an accident that mm. comes from knowing myself very 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 well and um, Susanna I want to thank you so so much for talking to me it's been it's always a delight talking to you but this has been really special and it's been a really lovely conversation and I know people listening will get so much from it so thank you so much for your time Julie thank you so much for joining me today um I know like Susanna who was our first guest that you're super super busy so it really is um appreciated just so our listeners understand how we know each other we met via um, a mutual friend didn't we but our background is in um is in HR the good old world of HR and uh, a bit of recruitment and all the old school kind of bits of human resources we got chatting a lot around um change in the workplace and how preparation for change in the workplace is key for individuals, but especially if you're neurodivergent. What can employers and organisations do to help make that feel a comfortable environment for people, especially when they're neurodivergent? I think it's important to really just recognise we're all different, which is the biggest thing to understand. Um, from what I've learned and I'm learning is that there's there's no two people are the same. Once you've met one neurodivergent person, you've met one neurodivergent person. Um, so change will feel different for each and every one of us. Um, and perhaps with us, as you say, with us coming from an HR background, we deal with a lot of change processes in that remit, whether it's recruitment. So someone's coming into a new role or someone's changing roles or it's uh, redundancy or restructure. So there's significant change. Um, so there are often processes around that, but 
equally, we, we tend not to think about the impact on the individual. We tend to focus a lot on the process and the step by steps mm. that we need to do. And um, when you are dealing with the individual, you start to recognise that there are different different needs and different concerns. And uh, I've certainly over my career recognised that different people will respond to the same conversation or the same situation in such a different way. And preparing people for some of that change, I think, is important where you possibly can. Whenever someone's starting or changing jobs as well, thinking about change of environment, change of team, understanding the need to support not just the individual that's having that change, but the team, because that's a change in team dynamics. And there's there's yeah. a lot to consider there as well. So it's just a couple of the things that spring to mind when you say that. And people, uh, you know, can experience stress very differently, can't they? You know, stress is an almost natural, inevitable outcome of some change. And and, and not all stress is bad stress, of course, but it, it's just that disruption with routine, which can, for some neurodivergent people, be a struggle. Mm, absolutely. And consistency and routine um, can be hugely necessary for someone uh, who is neurodivergent. Uh, but equally, some others might thrive on having the variety and the challenge. Yeah. There's no one size fits all with that either. Um, you know, I'm one of those people that actually, I, I actually even wrote in my my weekly newsletter today about I don't like the word routine. Um, and actually a word that resonates more with me is the word rhythm. So even just the language we use might be a difference as to how something lands with somebody. Routine just sounds boring to me, but to other people, that's like, no, I like routine structure. Uh, yes. And recognising that that, changing that can be huge so a change in line management is a really crucial time for somebody who's neurodivergent mm. to know where they stand to know what's going on change happens all the time in work it changes it happens all the time everywhere but in workplaces especially because organizational workplaces are dealing and responding to external pressures internal pressures whatever it is but i always feel like from dealing with with, with clients and and just you know, chatting to, to friends and family day to day, there's a bit of a nervousness around um, people and leaders and managers doing the right thing. And what's the right thing to do by neurodivergent people. And sometimes I get the sense that people would sometimes rather shy away from doing anything for fear of doing the wrong thing, or, you mm. know, be doing the right thing. I mean, um, what would you say to leaders and organizations who kind of perhaps think they have some hesitancy with with tackling it head on mm, I would say that the priority should be tackling it with um with a mindset of wanting to support and help everyone to thrive and succeed and if that's the way in which you're approaching any conversation is you're yeah. wanting the best for and from every individual then you can't really be seen to be doing wrong. Taking a person-centred approach and asking that person, would it help if, if you've got a suggestion that you think might, and that might go, no, that's really not going to help me. Um, I, and I'm personal example, I had a manager ask me, would it help if I took some chunks of work out of your email inbox? And I was like, no, that would not help me. Please don't do that. Please yeah, just yeah. stop putting new stuff in and let me deal with what's already there. So um, because I felt ownership and responsibility for what was already there. There's different points of that change cycle. And there's also different points of your 
experience as an employee. So we talk a lot around employee life cycles and there's various peaks and troughs and touch points with your employer. And I think being really responsive to that is is really important, isn't it? What specific tips or, or tricks would you suggest that, you know, any organisational leader could start tomorrow to, to be sure that they're considering the needs of neurodivergent employees? Hmm. I think starting with some form of workplace assessment is a, a really great place to start. Um, simple things, when someone first joins an organisation, they're likely to fill out some sort of medical questionnaire once they start so that you can get an assessment of, of that. But not everyone will disclose everything in that. So that's one route that you might identify something. Another might be to do a workplace action plan, which Mind and, and Mental Health and, and other charities like that have templates that you could refer to for that. And um, that helps to think about how is someone's working style um, going to suit them. And then there are other more detailed assessments that you might consider. So there's no, when I say workplace assessment, there's no one one size fits all or one single solution out there, but there are a number of different tools that you might use to ask questions in an open and um, hopefully uh, non-judgmental way. And that's the key thing to think about the questions you ask is that you're not trying to necessarily fix something, but you're asking questions as to what has worked for you, what helped yeah. you know has worked in the past. Some people might not even have a clue, but if you ask it broadly and make that a consistent thing that you do for everybody, mm -hmm. also takes that stigma away around disclosing what you might need. I think more than ever, they they are really, I don't want to use the phrase put upon, but they really are feeling the pressure, I think, yeah. from a variety of demands in business and within organisations. So, and, and, and hearing you talk then, a lot of that is around being pretty emotionally intelligent and for some that comes easier than than others you'll know that we encounter in our roles a lot of leaders who are there by virtue of the fact that they're a subject expert they mm. rose through the ranks because they were really good in their IT role or really good in their sales role but my god then they've got into leadership and it's it's quite something when you've got a team and individuals who are counting on you so what would you say for leaders and managers to, to be best set up, to be emotionally intelligent, to help support those who've no neurodivergent needs? So coaching is a huge, hugely beneficial tool for any manager or leader to explore how they might uh, perhaps tackle a conversation. That's quite often something that someone might bring to coaching is that they're nervous about approaching a particular topic and they want to talk or walk it through to then also understand more about themselves so that when they know more about themselves, they're able to then present in a more empathetic way when they're, and, and to be able to be more vulnerable to their team, because that's something that I think is hugely, hugely important, that if you can open up and say, I feel that too, or I've experienced that too, that really does open the door for, for people to trust you. It's that classic, that classic quote from Theodore Roosevelt, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care uh, no, I know I completely agree and I think it's getting perhaps slightly better but I still think there's a resistance for culturally for sort of leaders and managers particularly really senior to put their hand up and go I don't know the answers to this and that's okay thinking about psychological safety I just wonder if you could talk a little bit more about your view on psychological safety how that kind of environment is best set up and, and how important that is to mental health yeah, I think from 
a mental health and well-being point of view uh, and taking this broadly for anybody whether neurodivergent or not I think it's important to have regular one-to-one check-ins as a manager to to your team that aren't just about checking up on the work but are checking up on the individual and how they are make talking about mental health and what's going on outside of work a normal thing and normalize it and and to reduce that stigma around talking about it obviously the last couple of years where there's a lot more remote working and hybrid working and we're kind of bringing our home life into our work life you know without because it's unavoidable then that has started to have people see more and understand more about people's personal lives away from work but not everybody wants to cross that line and and bring the two so Mm. it's recognizing that it's about if someone shares that they are neurodivergent and is asking for that support it's creating that safety of who are you happy for me to disclose this to? And do you, do you understand what why it would be beneficial to disclose it yeah. to this person? And, and how do you want to go about doing that? Comes back to that co-created collaborative approach to how you support somebody to be the best. You're absolutely right. I think the the kind of respect that that needs to be had for those that are just not ready to bring that part of their life to work yet. Um, they might never be ready or they might just need a little nudge little supportive nudge could make all the difference couldn't it yeah and a lot of it as with anything often comes from our prior experiences if we've had past negative Mm. experiences about opening up or about things that we struggle with that has been reason for failing probation or it's always brought up in probation in in performance reviews or you know we're not fitting in we're not meeting the expectations of the culture of the workplace then that can really make someone feel that they've got to put this this front and this persona on yeah. uh, ask it which is exhausting um so yes it's it's creating that environment where people can be themselves and not have to mask and then yet they are more likely to be their best as well yeah do you prefer people to be explicit about your neurodivergency rather than grouping it all together i don't mind either way whether i'm described as no, I have ADHD or I am neurodivergent. I will use both because sometimes I want to be clear that I don't have dyslexia or autism. So I can't speak too yeah. eloquently about that. I can only speak from my own experience around ADHD, but I can speak from my understanding. That's really helpful to, to understand your perspective on that because I was saying to Susanna, your experience of ADHD is very different to her experience so it's fascinating and so important that people hear the different um yeah lived experiences of ADHD or neurodivergence thank you for for coming on and sharing your knowledge and experience it's brilliant if you like what you've heard please be sure to subscribe so as to not miss any future episodes and if you'd like to leave a review that'd be wonderful it really helps other people to find these important conversations so we appreciate it you can find i'm with the brand wherever you get your podcasts we hope to see you jumping on the brand wagon soon